Welcome to the Chinese Lore Podcast, where I retell classic Chinese stories in English. This is episode 31 of Investiture of the Gods. Last time, Flying Tiger worked out some family squabbles with his father and convinced the old man to join him on his flight west. Then, they ran to yet another roadblock at Sishui Pass, the fifth and final major checkpoint, on their way to the Kingdom of Zhou. One of the generals defending the pass, a sorcerer named Yu Hua, refused to let them through, so Flying Tiger decided to settle this with arms, and the two of them started trading blows. Soon, Flying Tiger's spear had Yu Hua on his heel, and Yu Hua turned and fled. Flying Tiger gave chase. As he closed in, however, Yu Hua pulled out a secret weapon from under his robe. This was something called the Soul-Killing Pennant, which he had obtained from an immortal. I swear, Flying Tiger must be the only guy in this novel who doesn't have some trick up his sleeve, or under his robe, or in his boot. Anyway, Yu Hua raised the pendant toward the heavens, and immediately, a black cloud enveloped Flying Tiger, lifting him up off his saddle and tossing him down in front of Yu Hua's camp, where he was immediately seized by enemy soldiers. Yu Hua then returned to the pass in victory. When Flying Tiger was brought in front of the pass commander Han Rong, he refused to kneel. What has the court ever done to you that made you rebel? Han Rong asked him. But Flying Tiger simply scoffed and said, Your kind merely sits around on border checkpoints. You think yourselves important, but you're just foxes pretending to be tigers, using the king's authority to throw your weight around. How can you know the causes of the chaos at court? Alas, since you have caught me, my only fate is death. There is no need for any more words. Han Rong replied, Since I was appointed to oversee this border checkpoint, I am merely fulfilling my duty in apprehending rebels. Fine, I'm not going to argue with you. Lock him up. Once we have captured his accomplices, we will take them all to the capital. Meanwhile, outside the pass, Flying Tiger's father, Huang Gwen, heard about his son's capture and lamented, You idiot! You didn't listen to your father. What a shame that Han Rong will get the credit for this. The next morning, word came that the enemy officer Yu Hua was once again challenging for battle. And this time, the generals Huang Ming and Zhou Ji volunteered to go meet him. They grabbed their axes and rode out to the front line, shouting, Yu Hua, you scoundrel! How can we let you off after you captured our brother? As they spoke, they made straight for Yu Hua, who raised his halberd to fight them. After less than 30 bouts, Yu Hua turned and rode away, and the two generals gave chase. But, apparently, they had learned nothing from Flying Tiger's folly, because Yu Hua unleashed his magic pendant again, and once again easily captured them both. The past commander Han Rong had these two locked up as well. Yu Hua now headed back out and challenged for battle again. Huang Gun again asked who would go out and meet him, and this time, his two younger sons volunteered. So, they rode out and started trading blows with Yu Hua. After 20 bouts, Yu Hua again turned and ran, and his foes again gave chase, and he again pulled out the magic pendant, and before long, the prison inside Sishui Pass had two more occupants. Yu Hua now went to challenge for battle yet again, and this time he was met by Flying Tiger's other two generals and sworn brothers, Long Huan and Wu Qian, and Yu Hua was the type to just keep doing the same thing over and over until it stops working, and it still hadn't stopped working yet. Once again, his opponents fell for his routine and were easily captured by his magic pendant. 
So, in a matter of a day and a half, he had captured the enemy's seven best fighters, earning some wine from his boss Han Rong. Meanwhile, on the other side, Huang Guan was probably getting exasperated watching one guy after another fall for the exact same trick. And when he looked over his three grandsons, he couldn't help but shed a tear and say to them, You all are no older than 13 or 14. Why must you suffer as well? Just then, Yu Hua came back to demand battle yet again. So, um, is there anybody left here that can hold a spear? Huang Guan's middle grandson, Huang Tianlu, now stepped forth and said, I will go avenge my father and uncles. Be careful, Huang Guan told him as he sent the boy out. So Huang Tianlu rode out and started trading blows with Yu Hua. Even though the boy was young, he had learned his father's craft well. After fighting Yu Hua to a standstill for a while, he suddenly found an opening and stabbed Yu Hua in his left leg. Yu Hua turned and fled in pain. So hey, the kid's alright. Oh no, he's giving chase. And before you knew it, Yu Hua pulled the same trick again and captured him as well. The sight of first his brothers and now one of his sons being in jail with him brought Flying Tiger to tears. Outside the pass, Huang Guan got word that his guys continued to not learn from others' failures. Like, seriously guys? Nobody thought for a second to try something a little different, like not giving chase? He was at his wit's end, as it was now down to pretty much himself and two grandsons. After brooding on the matter for a long time, he suddenly smacked his desk hard and shouted, Damn it all! He then issued this order, Tell our 3,000 soldiers, My grandsons and I likely won't make it through this alive, but I will offer all the property that we have with us to Han Rong to convince him to let the rest of you through the pass so that you may live. But his bodyguards all kneeled and said, Sir, don't be troubled. Heaven will help the blessed. There is no need for this. That Yu Hua is a sorcerer and has powers that I cannot match, Huang Guan said. If I allow myself to be captured by him, it would destroy my reputation. He then looked over his two remaining grandsons and saw them weeping. He told them, I don't know if you will be so lucky, but I shall plead with Han Rong to spare you as well. He then removed his helmet, belt, and armor. Dressed in plain garb, he and his two grandsons went straight to Han Rong's residence to seek an audience. When Han Rong heard that Huang Guan was outside hoping to chat, he scoffed. This visit is pointless. But he nonetheless ordered his guards to line up on both sides, and he went out to greet Huang Guan. There, he found the old general on his knees, flanked by his grandsons. I, the disgraced officer Huang Guan, pay my respects to you, commander, Huang Guan said. Old general, Han Rong said, this is a state matter, not something that I would dare to decide on my own. Why have you come here? My family has broken the law and deserve to be punished. There is no getting out of that, Huang Guan said. But there is one reasonable request that I would like to ask of you. Please make an exception and open a door. My sons and I will be eternally grateful, even in death. What is it? I am willing to hear you, Han Rong asked. I do not dare to blame my sons for dragging me down with them, Huang Guan said. But my family has been loyal to the court for seven generations, and we have never failed in our duty. Today, it's because of an unfortunate calamity that we shall meet our death. It's most pitiable. I have no choice except to beg you to allow my seven-year-old grandson to pass through so that something of my clan will survive. Will you allow it? Oh, General, you're in error, Han Rong said. 
I have my duties as the commander of this pass. How can I allow a personal request to override my lord's command? You were a high-ranking officer and enjoyed boundless riches and all the kindness from the state. Instead of repaying that kindness, you follow your sons into rebellion. That is unpardonable for your entire family, including the young. When you are taken to the capital, the court will naturally deliberate your punishment and sort it all out. That is the proper way of doing things. No one dares to deviate from it. Yet, you are asking me to let your grandson go? I would become your collaborator. Where is the rule of law then? I would be punished too. I cannot consent to it. Huang Gui now pleaded some more. Commander, there are plenty of people from my family who will answer for our transgressions. What is one child? Even if you let him go, what can he accomplish? This is not an unreasonable request. After all, who doesn't have sympathy? Why must you be so inflexible and refuse to do us one favor? Besides, look at how much service my family has rendered, and yet even we can fall so far. As the old saying goes, if you don't do anything with the power you have, then it's like returning empty-handed from a mountain of treasures. Who can be assured that nothing bad will ever befall them? Besides, my family is here because of the injustice done to us, not because we were disloyal. Please take pity and let my grandson go. I will never forget your great virtue. But Han Rong remained unmoved. The only way that's going to happen is if I turn traitor like you and follow you to Western Qi, he told Huang Gun. After repeated pleas fell on deaf ears, Huang Gun became incensed. He turned to his two grandsons and said, I was a top commander, and yet I lower myself to beg him, but he refuses to show any compassion. Fine, so we have walked into our doom. There's nothing to be afraid of. So off to prison they went, and when Flying Tiger saw that it was now a full family reunion behind bars, he couldn't help but weep, telling Huang Gun, Who knew that it would turn out just as you had predicted? I am the most unfilial son in the world. <sighs> With things as they are, it's too late for regrets, Huang Gun said. Back when I told you how you could spare my life, you refused to listen, so what's the point of worrying about it now? Um, really dad? You turned yourself in just so you could come to jail and do the I told you so shtick? Things were definitely not looking up for Flying Tiger. Meanwhile, things were going great for Han Rong. He threw a huge party to celebrate the capture of the entire Huang family, not to mention the confiscation of all their property. As they were drinking, Han Rong asked his officers who would escort the prisoners back to the capital. Yu Hua volunteered, much to Han Rong's delight. The next morning, a convoy of 3,000 soldiers escorted 11 prisoner carts toward the capital. On their way, they passed through Border Tablet Pass, Huang Gun's old command. When they passed the commander's compound, Huang Gun couldn't help but shed a tear over how far he had fallen. And the civilians and soldiers in the pass came out to watch, and they all wept over the fate of the old general and his family. Meanwhile, in the Golden Light Cave on a mountain far away, the Taoist master Fairy Primordial, aka the master of Lotus Boy Nerja, suddenly felt a disturbance in the force. He reached in his sleeve and did a little quick divination, and immediately told his acolyte to go summon Nerja. 
So it's been a while since we last saw Lotus Boy. When we left him, he had made peace with his father Li Jing, on the threat of having a magical pagoda dropped on him repeatedly if he didn't. Since then, he's been hanging out in his master's cave, waiting for the time to come when his services would be needed. And that time had come. Flying Tiger and his family are in trouble, Fairy Primordial said. Go save them and see them through Sushui Pass, but then hurry back without delay. In the future, you and he will serve the same lord. Nuja had been itching with some action, so this was the perfect assignment. He quickly gathered his things, grabbed his fiery spear, and hopped on his wind and fire wheels and flew through the clouds. He soon landed on a ridge near Sushui Pass, but all was quiet. So he stood around and waited for a long time before he saw an army approaching with banners flapping and weapons gleaming. Hmm, I can't just attack them without provocation, Nuja thought to himself. I have to find an excuse. And then an excuse came to him. He started singing. I am eternal. To me the years are meaningless. I fear none but my master. Yesterday, the heavenly lord passed through here, and even he had to give me a gold brick. And then Nuja planted himself right in the middle of the road, blocking the army's path. Scouts quickly reported to the convoy officer Yu Hua that there was some tall kid standing on hot wheels blocking the way. Yu Hua rode up and asked Nuja who he was. I am a long-time resident of this place, Nuja answered. Anyone who passes through here, be they officials or kings, must pay a toll. Where are you going? Hurry up and pay your toll, and you can be on your way. Um, so this is your idea of concocting a good excuse to attack? Pretending to rob them? Well, Yu Hua was predictably nonplussed. He laughed and said, I am Yu Hua, a top officer under Commander Han Rong of Sushui Pass. I am escorting the rebel Flying Tiger and his gang to court to claim my reward. How dare you block my path? And sing? Leave now, and I will spare your life. Ah, so you're an officer who's rendered service to the court and has a reward coming to you, Nuja said. Well, in that case, you owe me ten golden bricks before you can pass. Yu Hua got mad over that insolence, so he galloped toward Nuja with halberd raised. Of course, remember that Nuja was essentially half immortal at this point, and he soon had Yu Hua turning and fleeing. Nuja gave chase, and Yu Hua quickly pulled out his magic pendant again. But Nuja just chuckled and said, What's the big deal? As the black cloud began to envelop him, Nuja simply reached out and seized the pendant and shoved it into his leopard skin pouch. He then shouted to Yu Hua, Hey, you've got any other tricks you want to show me? Seeing that his go-to move had been foiled, Yu Hua now turned around to resume the hand-to-hand combat, but Ne Jia was mindful that his master had sent him here to rescue Flying Tiger and company, so he was worried that Yu Hua might try to kill them if he saw that he wasn't going to win the fight. So, while he raised the spear with his left hand to parry Yu Hua's attack, he reached into his pocket with his right hand and pulled out a gold brick and hurled it into the air, shouting, STRIKE! The brick sailed skyward and then came crashing down, striking Yu Hua on his forehead. Yu Hua was so shaken that he leaned on his saddle and coughed up blood as he fled, dragging his halberd behind him. Neo Jia gave chase for a bit, but then thought to himself, My master ordered me to come save the Huang family. I mustn't botch the main mission by giving chase. So he turned around and hurled another golden brick into the air, and this one started pelting the remaining soldiers and sent them fleeing for their lives as well. Nuja then went over to the prisoner carts and asked, Which one of you is General Huang? 
Flying Tiger spoke up and asked who he was. Ne Jia introduced himself and explained why he was there, and Flying Tiger was ecstatic. Ne Jia now smashed open the carts and released all 11 prisoners, and Flying Tiger kowtowed to offer his thanks. Generals, take care on your journey, Ne Jia said. Let me go take Sishui Pass for you, so that you may be on your way. So he headed off, while 11 riled-up warriors followed behind, all wielding weapons. Meanwhile, back at Sishui Pass, the commander Han Rong was celebrating with his staff when he suddenly got word that Yu Hua had returned. Back so soon? An alarm, Han Rong said. He summoned Yu Hua, who recounted what happened and let him know that all the prisoners had escaped. Han Rong stamped his foot and lamented, All our hard work, and those rebels still got away. When the king finds out, how will we escape punishment? His officers tried to console him, telling him, Flying tigers still can't go forward or fall back. You should mobilize your forces and keep up a tight defense of the pass so that they can't escape. Just then, scouts came in and said, There's someone outside riding on two wheels, showing off his skills and demanding to see General Yu Hua. That must be the guy who attacked me, Yu Hua said. Han Rong quickly led his officers out of the pass. When Ne Jia saw them come out, he shouted, Tell Yu Hua to come out and answer to me. Who are you? Han Rong said as he rode forward. I am none other than Ne Jia, a disciple of Fairy Primordial. I came on my master's command to rescue the Huang family. I ran into Yu Hua just now and had not yet killed him, so I have come to finish the job. Han Rong scoffed. How dare you come show off after abducting a convoy of prisoners of the court? You are so despicable. But Ne Jia shot back. The Shang's time is up, and a sage lord has emerged from Western Qi. The Huang family will be one of the pillars of the Zhou kingdom. This is in accordance with heaven's omens. Why do you oppose heaven's will? You're asking for trouble. Han Rong grew incensed and rode out to attack Ne Jia. After just a few exchanges, Han Rong's officers all swarmed in to encircle Ne Jia. But Ne Jia was like, oh please, you non-lotus based life forms are so adorable. As his spear flashed, one enemy after another fell off their horse, and soon, all the officers were running for their lives, leaving only Han Rong to fend for himself. Just then, Flying Tiger's four generals and two younger brothers all showed up and threw themselves into the fight, determined to capture Han Rong to avenge their prior defeats. That left Yu Hua with no choice but to ride out and help his commander, and the two sides engaged in a scrum. Amid the fighting, Ne Jia threw one of his gold bricks, and it smacked Han Rong right on his chest, smashing the protective plate to smithereens and sending Han Rong on the run for his life. Seeing this, Yu Hua shouted, Ne Jia, don't harm my master, as he charged in to take up the fight. After just a few bouts, however, Ne Jia parried Yu Hua's halberd, pulled out his magical bracelet, the universal ring, and chucked it at Yu Hua. It hit Yu Hua on the arm, fracturing the bone and almost knocking him off his ride. Yu Hua now fled toward the northeast, and Ne Jia seized Sishui Pass, while the Huang family's warriors put the rest of the enemy to flight. The next day, Flying Tiger and his father showed up with the rest of the entourage. They cleaned out all the valuables from Han Rong's residence and added them to their own property. They then left the pass and headed into the territory of Western Qi. Ne Jia saw them all the way to Golden Rooster Peak before taking his leave. Flying Tiger and his men all thanked Ne Jia profusely, telling him, We never could have expected that you would come to our rescue. We don't know when we will get to glimpse your visage again, but we will do all we can to repay you. 
Generals, take care on your journey, Neo Jia said. I will soon head to Western Qi as well, so we shall meet again. And then they parted ways, with Neo Jia headed back to his master's cave, while Flying Tiger and his entourage continued to head west. After traversing several more peaks over the next few days, they arrived at Western Qi Mountain, and they were only about 25 miles from the Zhou capital. Flying Tiger now ordered the men to pitch camp. He told his father, I will go on ahead to see Prime Minister Jiang Ziya. If they are willing to take us in, then we can enter the city. But if not, we will figure out something else. So Flying Tiger put on a simple white robe and rode on ahead by himself. Along the way, he was quite taken with the beautiful scenery and how courteous everyone was and how prosperous everything looked. He couldn't help but sigh and say, People say Western Qi is a paradise. Turns out its people really do live in peace and prosperity, like in the golden age of ancient sage kings. Upon entering the Zhou capital, Flying Tiger asked around for Jiang Xia's residence, and some civilians pointed out the way. When he found the place, he asked the reception official to relay that Flying Tiger from the Shang capital was seeking an audience. The official struck the signal board to request the prime minister's presence. When Jiang Ziya came out, the reception official relayed the message, and Jiang Ziya said, Flying Tiger is a high lord of the Shang. What brings him here? So Jiang Ziya went out to greet his visitor in full court attire. Flying Tiger kowtowed to him, and Jiang Ziya returned the courtesy, saying, My lord, pardon me for not welcoming you sooner. Flying Tiger now said, I am a refugee. I have abandoned the Shang to come join the Zhou. I am like a bird that has lost its forest. I hope you will lend me a branch to perch on. If you can take me in, I would be immensely grateful. Jiang Ziya hurriedly helped him up and asked him to sit down as an honored guest. I am but a traitor from the Shang. How would I dare to sit next to you? Flying Tiger said. My lord, you are going too far, Jiang Ziya replied. Even though I have become the prime minister here, I used to be under your supervision. There is no need for such modesty. When Flying Tiger finally sat down, Jiang Ziya asked why he had abandoned the Shang, and Flying Tiger recounted the disastrous string of events that led to his rebellion. Jiang Ziya was delighted and said, If you are willing to join us and help build our enterprise, it would be the Martial King's great fortune. Of course he would welcome you. Please rest for a bit, and then you can go to court to see his highness. While Flying Tiger went to the guesthouse to rest, Jiang Ziya rode to the palace and went to see the Martial King, Ji Fa, and he told him, My lord, 10,000 congratulations! Lord Flying Tiger of the Shang court has abandoned King Zhou to come serve you. This is a great omen for our state. Isn't he a member of the Shang royal house? Ji Fa asked. Indeed, Jiang Ziya replied, and your father has said that he once benefited tremendously from Flying Tiger's kindness. So now that he is here to join us, we must treat him with courtesy. So Ji Fa issued a decree inviting Flying Tiger to court for an audience. Flying Tiger entered and kowtowed to pay his respects. Ji Fa returned his courtesy and said, I have long admired your valor, honor, kindness, and virtue, which are known throughout the land. You are a truly loyal gentleman, and it is my great fortune to get to meet you. Flying Tiger remained kneeling and said, Thank you, my lord, for lifting my entire family out of calamity and danger. How can I not do my utmost to repay you? What was your title in the Shang court? 
Ji Fa asked. I was the martial lord who protected the kingdom. Well then, I shall bestow upon you a lordship that only differs by one character, Ji Fa said. You will be the martial lord who establishes the kingdom. Flying Tiger thanked Ji Fa, and then they got down to partying to celebrate. During the banquet, Flying Tiger recounted all the misdeeds that King Zhou had committed, and Ji Fa said, Even though the king was not just, you as the vassal still fulfill your duty to the utmost. Ji Fa then asked Jiang Ziya to oversee construction of a residence for Flying Tiger. The next day, Flying Tiger informed Ji Fa that the rest of his entourage were still waiting on Western Qi Mountain for permission to enter the capital. And Ji Fa immediately told him to bring them all into the city and that all the officers would receive ranks matching their former positions. So Flying Tiger and his crew have found a new home in the kingdom of Zhou. To see what the fallout will be when this news gets back to the Shang court, tune in to the next episode of the Chinese Lore Podcast. Thanks for listening.